0: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.
1: Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collectives discord server discord.gg forward slash alpha collective it is free it always will be free there are no strings there is no bait and switch if you like to listen live and even participate come onto stage comment in our back chat you can do that whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind. manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Café to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is May thirty first. We are we are at the end of the fifth month already. I cannot believe it. Time flies when the world is in chaos. <laughs> the world is in chaos. The world is in chaos. The world is crazy. Um, I find that uh, n- there's just. Such an acute lack of leadership at the moment, um, and and maybe that's just an opportunity that the fact that there's a lack of leadership right now. I mean, who who are the leaders? Who would you say is just who's crushing it right now? Uh, companies, individuals. Um, I'm I I don't even know. I mean, no one seems to have a point of view um, in terms of the way to go. I, I'm uh, intrigued by um, this move. Uh, to come up with a third party um in uh, in the US i i find it to be very very uh very interesting they are called i think i uh i kind of took a little snapshot cuz i am intrigued i mean in, i'm intrigued by i'm intrigued actually anytime there is um you know there's there's uh, a new thought or a new idea um and it's it's it's, it's kind of I mean, it's just ridiculous in the in the US. It's called the No Labels Eyes is a third party run. So they're they're called um they're a bipartisan political group. They're called no labels. And they're trying to come up with a um with a with a ticket that would be one Democrat and one Republican. Of course <laughs> I haven't let's ask the obvious question, who's the president, who's the vice president? How are you gonna do that? Um but um, it's it's just kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that that the world is gearing up, or at least at least what we're hearing is Biden versus Trump round two. This is not, uh, you know, this is not Rocky. <laughs> this is not. I don't know what it is. It's not a remake. It's not the the the, uh, the thriller in Manila. Um, it's it's just insane, and it's insane. It's it's kind of crazy when you think about the world. Um, how complicated and complex the world is, and yet how simple. Uh, let's just say how complicated and complex the problems are in the world, and yet how simple the solutions are. Isn't that funny? The problems are complex, the solutions are simple. You know, uh, we've often seen like if kids were running the world. What would they do? If we were running the world, what would we do? If the crowd, if the, uh, you know, we talk about decentralization, right? Taking away the power from these centralized entities that are typically, typically run by old white men, but not always, but typically, um, I mean, we spoke about the greater good earlier this week, the greater good, well, you know, what? What would the Republican Democratic Party do? What would, what would Trump and Biden do if they really were focused on the greater good? And actually, the interesting thing is the fact that a weird unity could actually come out of this, um, which is when both sides are dissatisfied with the process. Well, that's when change happens. So anyway, little bit of a non-secretar. sequitur is Wellness Wednesday. And uh, I found uh, an article um, that I was, you know, just, I don't know how I find things, but I find them. Um, And uh, I'm going to put it into the back chat. By the way, as a reminder, today we have our second Alpha Beta Talk with Shira Lazar uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, The link to subscribe or subscribe to register is above the StreamYard link. I would love it. If you could attend, I would love it if you could share, um, get some other people to attend. She's going to be talking about the joy of missing out on Web3. Um, So just a perspective of, you know, these these alpha beta talks are really just context setters and perspectives. Um, I think they all come down to the fact that, like, either you control your fate or your fate will be controlled for you. Um, I You know, do we want to sit around and wait again, for the centralized figures to uh, determine what this future looks like, or are we going to actually be driving the bus? Um, And so that's what I hope comes out of these 13 uh, alpha beta talks across 15 weeks. Is it 13 across 15 or 12 against 14? I think it's 13 against 15. So pretty excited about that. Next week there won't be one. Uh, because I'm away, and just because of the whole tech associated with it, uh, I'm just going to kind of keep uh, controlling uh, and producing that. So, um, this is the link that I found, and I'm just going to go ahead and paste it. Um, Bez, I think you're going to like this. Uh, It's called, if you want to, you don't have to open it up, but it's called Counterintuitive Interview Advice, 10 Unusual Suggestions to help you shine. The world of interviewing isn't black and white. Others think you can't do these things. You can and you should. And so, you know, what what this is going to be doing is, um, you know, talking about um, negative advice, um, uh, avoidance, this is what the article says, you know, don't do this, as opposed to positive advice, which is do the opposite in this particular case do this as opposed to don't do this. So by doing the opposite, the counterintuitive approach, um, that's what we're going to be discussing um, today. And I like this idea, um, A, of um, negativing the the negative. Uh, I like the idea of, of like all the things that people tell you in this world not to do, you do the opposite. So when people are telling you don't do this, You do the opposite, the counterintuitive approach. But by doing the opposite, you are therefore doing the positive. When somebody says, don't, you know, talk in class or don't speak out of turn or don't upset the apple cart, don't cause a ruckus, then you do cause a ruckus. You do speak up. You do stand up. You do stick your neck out. That's the kind of, I guess, premise uh, that sets up this article. And this article is really just talking about uh, interviewing and interviewing skills. Um, I am happy to discuss it today uh, because, you know, both my kids are going through uh, interviewing now, interviewing skills. Um, We're we're all always interviewing, whether it's, I mean, if you think about just lead, lead gen or biz dev. It is kind of a bit an interview. Often we're interviewing people or we are being interviewed. Um and so these are um I think universally applied. I do want to also just give you a quick update, which is it's it's kind of an unfortunate one, but um and I'm not really sure why this is happening, uh, but the folks over at Poop.xyz are just not interested. Um they're just not interested. They don't want to let me continue. Um, they don't want to let me continue, uh, creating PoEPS. They don't like the idea of daily PoEPS for a show, um, or for a coffee. They don't like the idea of doing PoEPS for the alpha talk speakers. They don't want PoEPS to be gamified. They don't want it to be farmed. They don't want it to be, uh, used for loyalty purposes. They keep on talking about culturally significant events, um, they're being very purist and idealist. Um, I am trying to sit down and, t- and set up a call with the founder, um, but it doesn't seem like they're open to suggestions or being open-minded about it. And so it's kind of unfortunate because all of the wonderful work we've done looks like it's going to just be for nothing, um, which is which is super sad. Um, I do actually believe um, that they're making a huge, huge mistake. Um, I actually... Um, I actually uh, heard Isabel uh, Gonzalez speak uh, on a um, on a panel, and uh, this, by the way, is her email address. Um, and I am putting it there just because if if you if any of you want to write to her and uh, just honestly talk about your experience with Poop and Poops as part of this, you know, as uh, how I've been using them, um, please do. Just speak from the heart. Um, I want. You know, it was very interesting because even Isabel on the panel, they all agreed, this panel of so-called leaders, um, that they don't like the word POAP and they don't like the word NFT and they want to call it digital collectibles and digital whatever. And I just i fundamentally disagree. I think the dumbing down of Web3 um, is, is not the answer. I think the branding or the rebranding of Web3 is the answer. Um, and, and whilst there might be a better word for a POAP, um i love the concept of an nft you know it's like giving up on giving up on it's like it's like giving up on the name google uh because people can't spell it or because you know it doesn't make sense or uh, or, or, or whatever um so you know i want to see if there's an if anyone knows another company that's doing poeps um i would um I, I would love for you to make an introduction if you'd like to write to isabel and just give a an endorsement or or your personal honest point of view uh please do um you know I, i'm not asking you to say anything other than i just i feel like they're making a mistake um and uh and you know i know a thing or two about business and marketing and this you know it's just it's one of the most bizarre decisions i've ever heard in my life um but anyway i don't wanna I don't wanna uh, go on about that I just wanted to give you a quick update so until further notice there are no more poems until I can find another solution yeah, I could mint um I could mint them as well and and open edition and figure out a solution um i I have an intern starting um in in a week or so maybe I can have them look into that so we'll figure it out I mean we always do so let's go to the article and let's talk about some of these. Uh, Questions. The first question um, says uh, prompt answers are wrong. Pause after the question. So uh, I'll just read you some of the stuff, and then we can discuss. Uh, Common interview advice would tell you to be prompt with your answers. So prompt answers are wrong. Uh, Pause uh, after the question. This is the advice. uh, The counterintuitive positive, right? The negative um, says. You know, So it says, I've, I've read that the longer you pause after a question, the more likely an interviewer will believe you're making up an answer which may not be factual. This is nonsense. While I don't advise you to hang out for seven minutes humming your favorite song after being asked a question, I do want you to take a moment, sit back, let the question settle, take two or three breaths before starting your story. It doesn't sound like long, but it can feel like an, inter- like an eternity in an interview. Still do it. Use this time to think about the question and which of your stories um, is the best answer. Remember to use the best answer, not the first answer that comes to mind. As an interviewer, I don't want you to begin speaking immediately after I ask a question. I want you to think about it. I want a good answer, not a quick answer. You only appear unprepared if you have no story at all or unable to answer the question for some other reason. Listen to the question. Take a few breaths. Think about which of your stories will most fully answer the question. Then smile smile. And tell them you have the perfect story. So, what I like about that is I love the end. I love the end part of it, which is the smile, the the almost the ah, you know, that moment of like got it, you know, like nailed it. Um, it's not an arrogant smile, but it's just a it's a warm smile. It's like I got this and I got you, and um, and I like the idea of saying, oh, I've got the perfect like, um, there are so many, so many things I could have said, but this is what I want to share with you. I like it. It's a quiet confidence. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think immediately when I go through this, one of the things that jumps out at me is that it's not a game, right? Or maybe it is, (laughs) maybe it is partly a game, but it's not, it's not meant to be manipulative, right? Um, this point about the best answer versus the first answer or the quickest answer, I must admit that I'm like this. I mean, I'm not... I do the wrong thing. I immediately have an answer. You know, when I'm standing on stage uh, giving a keynote, I jump... And and, and so I do, I do two things. Uh, both are probably wrong. First thing I do is... I stall, so i go, hmm, that's interesting, hmm, I, uh, ooh, you know, like, so, like, I'm stalling to find the answer, and I think it's just, a, like, it's too transparent, as opposed to being quiet and thinking about it. What What I don't do, and I should do in some cases, is say, you know, I actually don't, this is different to the first point, but what I've never done, what I don't do is, sorry, never done, I used to do this all the time, which is to give the answer as opposed to what, I, what I'm now doing some of the time is saying, I actually don't know. That's a re- you stumped me. You know, like, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. This is my best guess, or um, the, the best I can do is dot, dot, dot. I've never demonstrated that kind of vulnerability as much. Or again, I, I'm starting to, but I, I didn't used to. So that's a different thing. But immediately I've got an answer you will notice, especially amongst, you know, uh, you know, let's be honest, bullshitters, narcissists, you know, arrogant people, they don't hesitate. They just, you know, just dive straight in, like, you know, like just like a, you know, rabid dog, you know, I mean, they just like dive straight in. And I think it's a tell. I think it's a tell that they actually don't know the answer or don't have the perfect answer. Because there's this insecurity or this nervousness about actually the silence. They are uncomfortable in the silence. They're inc- uncomfortable, uh, indicating that they might not know the answer. Because what they're trying to do is demonstrate, "Oh, I'm the all-knowing, the all-powerful Oz. Um, I have an answer. I have an answer for everything." You know, and 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 sorry to say, uh, you don't uh, always have an answer for everything. So I kinda like the pause here. I like the pause. I like the um, I like the the thoughtfulness and finding it. And I guess what I would say to people is is I would love to hear um, I would love to hear how many times your actual answer is different to the one that it would have been had you just immediately immediately blurbed or blurted it out. You know, so for example, if I was to put one of you on the spot right now and say to you, what is one time um, that you made a decision, um, a decisive decision, and it turned out to be the wrong decision? Like, how would you answer that question straight away? I'm thinking right now, I just came up with that question. And here's the thing, you get uncomfortable in the silence. I'm still like... Like I would need to take a good 10 or fifteen second seconds now to think about what's the time I made a decision and it actually turned out to be the wrong decision. I'm going to try and do that now. So it's going to be quiet for, for about 10 or 15 seconds. So I'm smiling. I've got the perfect answer. I think very recently, one of my, one of my uh, decisions I made was to delay the launch of Alpha Collective until, um, until, I, until I got more momentum, um, but that momentum never came. And what I should have done was just launched it a year ago, even more than a year ago, um, even if I'd launched it small because I would be a year ahead of what I did. So that's a decision I made. Obviously, the question in this particular case could be in a corporate environment or corporate setting. I haven't worked for a company, you know, since 2002. Um, but but even in going through that experience now, um, I was uncomfortable. Um, Bear says that's a behavioral question, or the question I came up with. Uh, but the idea is the pause, right? You are not the all-powerful Oz. All right, Um Would love, anytime anyone wants to come up and join, um, this is kind of fun. Um, So number two, um, ask them to repeat the question. That's the counterintuitive advice. Now I'll read you the blurb. Uh, I've heard this more than once and it is just outright wrong. If you have to ask them to repeat the question, it shows them you were not paying attention the first time. No, maybe the video call cut out uh, or the interviewer spoke too quickly. Maybe their dog barked or plain flew overhead, there are many legitimate reasons to ask the interviewer to repeat the question. There is also a subtle bonus to this tactic. You're demonstrating you want to ensure you fully know the assignment they are giving you so you can complete it correctly. Think about how behavioral interviews function at a basic level. The interviewer is assigning you a task you need to fully complete to their satisfaction, just like a typical workday. Asking them to repeat the question is not frowned upon. Make sure you know what you need to do before you just before you start doing it. Um, if you're not 100% sure that you know exactly every word they used and can fully answer the question, ask them to repeat it or even better, and we'll get to the third one uh, in, in a minute as well. So asking them to repeat the question. Uh, Bez, um, what say you? You're on stage. I knew you would enjoy this.
0: <laughs> well, it's right in my wheelhouse. Um, good morning, good morning, Joseph. And uh, everybody here this morning, um, to, to the first one in regards to, uh, ha- it has to do with cadence, right? Like pausing, like that, it, 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 you can do it, absolutely. But you should be mindful of the cadence of the person, like, hey, are do they talk fast? Do they uh, talk, uh, norm, you know, slow? Do they talk, whatever they do, you should try to mirror that. And that's actually a strategy, right? Um, so, uh, you know, to... And, and it's okay to sit there and think about it. Like, like you said, uh, the article says, I mean, rather to have a well-thought-out answer than one that isn't, right? So that's okay. And then this one... Um, what was it again? The, the one you're, we're just, we're at right now. It's, it's asking them, to repeat,
1: asking them to repeat the question. You just did that. You said, can you repeat that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, you yeah, are right. Sometimes, um, you know, why not? It doesn't hurt. And then at the same time, um, but, but yeah, you should be more attentive. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I sort of agree with that, you know, to asking them to repeat the question could could come off as you weren't paying attention. But if you need to ask them to repeat the question, you know, repeat you know, ask them, you know. It's 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 also this is all subjective advice, you know, because it all depends of, you know, who you're interviewing with. You know, do they have the patience for that or not? So, yeah, uh, carry on. This is a great conversation.
1: All right. Well, well. The, now it gets to the. Remember, this ended up with the dot dot dot. Right. So it's like um, if you uh, um, ask them to repeat it, or even better. So here's the third one. Tell the interviewer the question they asked. Breaking down the question before jumping right in makes it easier for both people. It doesn't look like you're being rude or weren't paying attention. On the contrary. It appears that you were able to digest the question and reformat it quickly to confirm the communication was clear. When asked a question, pause for a second, then repeat back to them the question in your own words. Tell them what you heard and make sure you're exhaustive in what you think they're asking for. A bonus to re-explaining the question back to the interviewer. If you already know what story you want to use while you pause, you can tailor the re-explanation to your story. This will make it appear they asked a question and you had a perfect answer for it. For example, tell me about a time when you had to work with an underperforming team and what did you do to turn it around? Becomes, I want to make sure I understand. You want to learn about when I was in charge of a group of employees or inherited a team that was not up to the standard expected and how I was able to re-motivate the team and get back on on the right track. Is that right? When you reformat the question, it appears you want to know what they are asking, what the interviewer is really looking for. You aren't just jumping right in with a potentially wrong solution. You're taking the time to break down the ask to ensure that you fully complete the assignment. This is a great trait to subtly demonstrate in an interview. Um, So thoughts on that, Bez, now that you're on stage with me.
0: Um, I, I, that, that question you just read is actually a behavioral based question. So most interviewers, they're reading from a script, if it's a behavioral based interview, because it's not natural to ask questions in a behavioral way for most people that are interviewing. So they're reading it. So you're going to come back and say, well, you meant this and they're they're probably going to go, uh, yeah, I guess. You know what I mean. So there is danger in trying to interpret that. I think um, you take the behavioral based question, and there's a strategy for that, and that is answering it uh, uh, in a story format. So in a story format, uh, there's a beginning, middle, and end. People say, "Hey, what's how, what, what? what's a beginning, middle, and end?" You use a, a methodology. It's called the STAR methodology, and it's called you. You basically. Tell your story by talking about the situation, the task at hand, the action you took, and the results uh, that came out of your actions. So those are my two cents.
1: And I, and I think, you know, the point that comes out of this is, again, this idea of it's not a game. Um, you know, if, if, you're, if it makes sense to do, you do it. And if it doesn't, you don't. So, um, But this idea of reframing, I, I'm a big believer in reframing. This is what I think. I, this is what I think. Uh, this is what I heard. Well, this is what I think you. Uh, what I think you're asking for. Um, uh, I do it actually as a host as well on the show. Is I go. Um, I, I just the the reframe. I don't actually say I'd like to reframe, um, but uh, but I do kind of say sometimes I do. Will use the thing. This is what I think I heard from you. Is that correct? Um, and it also like drives consensus. Um, as well, because it's like, yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. Um, so yeah, I like that. Um, so uh, let's let's uh, move on. Um, and it says, answer. Uh, we didn't do anything. I did it. Um, I've written about this before, but in a different context. It's worth discussing from this particular viewpoint, as it is a bit counterintuitive and often advised against. A brief summary. In an interview, they are evaluating you and what you did. It's great that your team was able to accomplish X, but what did you specifically do to make X happen? You should be proud that you were part of a giant overhaul of a problematic system and were able to fix Y for the whole company, but what did you do? In interview stories, rarely use the term we and focus almost exclusively on using I. It's not as easy as simply replacing one word with the other You need to adjust the story a bit. However, you don't want an interviewer to ask a follow-up like, and what did you do to make that happen? If they have to ask what role you played in the success of the story, you did not present your story well. Most of the people I've prepared for interviews over the years have had this problem, and there is a very easy explanation. They want to appear to be team players. That's good to show in an interview, right? When building your interview stories and when you are presenting them in an interview, whether it's a mock interview or the real deal, you need to focus on yourself and what part you played in the success of the story. Being a team player on the job is very important. However, take the advice I was given by a mentor when he tore me apart about the use, usage of we in my stories. You are the shit. You need to show them how impressive what you did was else they won't give a damn about you. What do you think about that, Bez? The I versus we.
0: Well, um, that advice is very contextual. I mean, are you interviewing with an Eastern-based company? And I'll give you an example. Japanese, they're all about the we. Or are you interviewing with an American-based company? So I think you've got to be sensitive to that. And then... um. um yeah, that, that's a, that's a really interesting dance. And, and you're right. Most, uh, people want to know what you, what was your role, your part in it. Um, but I disagree with the fact that if the, if the interviewer has to ask, what, what did you do in there? Um, it's not a penalty or a strike against you because it is the job of the interviewer to dig past because um, most people that are interviewing are not good at interviewing. So, if you know your role as an interviewer, instead of being a, you know, docking people or giving demerits, uh, you get into a better flow and state when you're able to be inquisitive as the interviewer and dig deep. Because uh here, here's my 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 philosophy is most people are not good. Uh, an interviewee, 99 uh, of the time, are not going to be good at an interviewing. In an interviewer, ninety nine percent of the time they're not going to be good at interviewing. So, what should I expect? A train wreck. I'm putting two people that don't do a task day in and day out, and ask them to perform well and and uh, get on with it. You know, it's 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 it's, <laughs> it's laughable at best, but we get millions of hire every year. So, yeah, that's my two cents there.
1: And, and and I'm thinking like there's also the ability just to do both, right? Which is to say this is what we did and this is what and this is the role that I played in it. But I think, you know, the important thing is um, you know, a lot of a lot of what comes out of this, you know, if I'm looking for a common thread here, the common thread is confidence. And it's self confidence and it's being, you know, assured it's being assured, self assured, reassured. Um, and projecting that confidence, not arrogance, not overconfidence, but confidence in the fact that 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 you are meant to be there um, and, and you're not trying to, you know, it's not, I mean, it is an audition of such, uh, as such, um, but you're the right person for the job. You know, you're the best person for the job, as opposed to this idea of, you know, I had a bad interview, right? This happens from time to time. You can have a bad day at the office. This happens from time to time as a speaker where you're just off your game. Um, And so, you know, you don't want to be like on your game, like, oh man, you know, like when, when, when I was a kid, you know, I mean, when we were all kids at school or college, we would, we would SWAT for an exam and we would like kind of guess on what we thought was going to be asked in the exam so sometimes you gamble sometimes you you know you look at previous tests you do your homework you're you're buttoned up i mean that's all good it's not an or it's an and and so i kind of do like you know this idea of like the pause the repeating the question the reframing uh the question the i part you you know this is your shot you're shooting your shot you're not here kind of representing a team. They're not going to hire the team. They're going to hire you.
0: Uh, you. So you mentioned something about confidence. I was like in the back of my head, ding, 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 ding. You are 100% right, um, Joseph. Um, in fact, confidence is so many steps in front of interviewing tips or interviewing. Uh, in fact, I rank, I rank it supremely one or two in getting it right. So your mindset helps with your confidence, right? So this is even before you show up to the interview. Your, your planning and strategy of what you're looking for in your life, in your career, and mapping out the different chess moves will help in your confidence too, because you walk into an interview with a totally different mindset, intention, and purpose, right? And then for me, the next one would be branding, right? You know, uh, and then, um, uh, you know, what I call networking and outreach, uh, even before you get to the interview. Right. And so it is, you know, but to me, like what you said, confidence is so huge, but it starts so many steps before you even get to the interview in a framework that, um, I am putting together after three decades of watching this and helping people, um, you know, just, uh, giving them some, some hacks basically.
1: Nice. Oh, I can't wait. Um, all right. So now let's get to, uh, the next one, which, which I kind of already touched on without realizing it. Say, I don't know. Yes, really. Another strongly held belief in conventional wisdom, um, That is inaccurate. Not only should you be willing to say you don't know, you need to practice exactly how to do it. Um, I recently discussed the type of interview I labeled the deep diver, and they are a great example of exactly why you should be prepared to admit you don't know the answer to a question. Some interviewers like to ask follow-up questions until you either lie to them or admit you don't know. They're trying to spot liars and know eventually they will ask you a question you will not know the answer to. It's a big part of their interview strategy and they're very skilled at it in those cases saying i don't know is the only way to keep you uh, in the running for the job it's either that or a lie if you're caught lying to them you will fail the interview lying is a character flaw ignorance can be trained Ooh, that's a great quote lying is a character flaw ignorance can be trained Uh, interviewers prefer the latter considerably more than the former But why practice? Because there is a right and a wrong way to admit you don't know something. Just admitting you don't know and expecting to move on is the wrong way. The right way of admitting you don't know something is to follow up with why you didn't and what you would have done differently. Something like, that's a very good question. I actually don't have the answer to that. In this instance, I was more focused on X as opposed to Y. However, that is something that I will consider going forward. But if I had considered Y, I would do Z. Explaining Z, what you would have done if you did think about their question, is a way to obtain partial credit for the inability to answer the question. If you're unable to answer, that's fine. If you're not able to learn from being unable to answer, that's not. Show them that you now know to focus on whatever they asked and discuss a plan that you would use now to integrate that learning into action. Thoughts?
0: Yeah, there's two two thoughts here. Um, uh, so there are the impossible questions or word problems you sometimes get in interviews, which is a, a waste of breath, time, and space. Uh, I call them stupid questions. Um, it, it's unfortunately some people think it's funny, some people think it's apropos, but it's it's quite the contrary. It's um, you, you know, you get those, those questions and I, there's a gazillion of them. People think, oh, I'm really smart because I'm asking this question. No, you're stupid. You're dumb. Questions should all pretty much relate about the interview. And if you're caught uh, saying a bunch of questions that don't relate to the interview and using it to judge uh, for the interview, then be prepared that one day someone's going to report you and you're going to be investigated and uh, th- there'll be some repercussions. So, but on the other side of it, um, there is a strategy to answer questions that, um, you think you don't know. And so a lot of interviews are being, um, they're asking you about your experience and your, and how, you know, you, you know, how, what you know about in relationship, uh, to the questions they ask with your experience. Um, one thing I do coach people, um, is I tell them never, um, If, if you get asked the questions that you don't, you, you think you don't know the answer because of your lack of experience, um, don't tell them you don't know. Tell them what you know about the subject. And the reason I coach it that way is because that may be good enough you you can say hey mr or mrs so and so this is what i know about this subject and remember you just said this is what i know you didn't say this is my experience you said this is what i know so there's a nuance in that and you go on and explain if you have prepared well for the interview there may be some subjects you know within that interview you are you don't have experience with but at the same time you may have some Knowledge of because of the research you've done, white papers you read, and here's the the thing: why I tell, coach people to uh, do it that way? Because just your knowledge may be good enough. Don't make it an issue if it's not an issue to the interviewer. So, with that in in mind, uh, you know nobody is looking for that perfect person that has. Uh, I mean, people are, but nobody has. 10 out of 10 of everything they're looking for, right? That's not how people put teams together. So, and, and that can get really deep. I can go down a rabbit hole on that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's how you answer the question and, and take a stab at it. Maybe it's not that important. They're just wanting to know what some of the breadth you have. So, no, this is this th- there this you is go,
1: great, and w- there are about five left, and so I think uh timing and cadence is perfect um and uh you know just to just to emphasize what you said, it's um it's you don't have to know the answer, but tell them what you do know <laughs> you know and and so i I like that um all right, the next one, which actually kind of like I think you alluded to is uh use previously acquired data, in other words, uh, do your homework it's not unethical to do your homework um, when answering questions some people are concerned about using any information they may know or found out about the interviewer to their advantage they claim moral superiority and say it isn't fair nonsense all is fair and in love-worn interviews <laughs> that's a good quote as well um, use every possible strategy to your advantage creep on your interviewer if you can Use context clues from their introduction to learn about them. Build contingencies in your elevator speech so you can adapt and find more ways to bond with your interviewer. Every extra bit of data you research before the interview about the interviewer or the company can help in some way. Don't be ashamed to bond over your love of pickleball or doodles. Um, or doodles, is that the NFT collection? Uh, Weave in how you admire the company's expansion into new markets and the development of sustainability teams that are supposed to be an internal secret. This is one of those tips that people publicly denounce but privately do. I dig as much as I possibly can before interviews. Creepy or not, I come to interviews ready to win. You should too. So I just have a very simple point on this one, which is um, I guess... The the you know the 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 counter argument to the counterintuitive suggestion is what you don't want to do is kind of kiss ass. You don't want to be you know so what what would we say goody two shoes? I don't know if that phrase is is an American phrase, but we always used to use that in South Africa. You don't want to kind of like really kiss up to them so much. But with that said, you know I was even saying this to to my kids the other day, which is like you need to go to their LinkedIn before sitting down with an interview. Like one of the first things, like imagine that they went to your school. Imagine that. Imagine the interviewer, like for my daughter, right? Imagine the interviewer went to wash you. I mean, like ding, ding, ding. Can you imagine now that you went to the same, you know, like, uh, you know, from a Greek life standpoint, the same, you know, sorority or fraternity, you know, I mean, it's like that, that is an unfair advantage um, and it shows you did your homework. And and you can almost just argue not doing that is almost like careless or neglectful. So so I guess, you know, I wholeheartedly underscore uh, what this is saying. The only caution or watch out I would say is just be careful that you don't become too kind of ass kissy. Is it possible to be too arse kissy, to know too much about them, Bez?
0: Uh, I agree with this uh, point. Uh, Do the research. I call it cyber stalking without being creepy. Yeah, it's the same thing. But uh, check all their socials. Um, Get to know who you're interviewing with. Um, Go deep on them. Be an investigator. Find out their likes, dislikes. um, Because you may have a hobby that, um, or or something that you both do that can uh, hasten the bond. So where do you implement this in the introductions, right? You know, maybe, or somewhere where you think it's appropriate. Don't make it the main thing. Here's the problem with, um, you're talking kiss ass. Um, but, um, the, um, taking something and going down a rabbit hole can derail an interview. In fact, uh, recently, somebody that I, I helped uh, get hired at a company their interview went sideways and they had a great interview but I, I in the feedback with the hiring manager and the candidate i said we need to schedule a second interview and i and they did because they really didn't have a full interview in the first interview. they went they they, they got along so well so yeah be you know be careful um get back on task and 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 um and get back to the interview, but use that knowledge. And I agree, uh, do, do your intelligence gathering, um, use it at the right time. Um, and like you said, uh, Joseph, sometimes uh, research and coming up will lead to great questions on uh, what to ask and what to mention in the interview. And, and, it will, and it will show that you've done your research, especially if it's related to the company. So I love this point. Uh, this is what I teach
1: too. You know, um, I'm going to come up with my own counterintuitive piece of advice, uh, which is the the conventional wisdom is to say, um, how much time do you have today? Um, And I'm going to almost say that um, on the basis of this, you shouldn't ask that question. Uh, I'm asking. This is like I'm just thinking out loud here because you should know how much time you have or how much time you need if the interview is going so well, let them say, wow, this is amazing. We had so much rapport. Um, I'd like a second interview. So I'm almost saying, like, I wonder what you think about that, right? Because I I was always... In fact, I still do this to this day. I always say, "How much time do you have today?" But it's it's a power play as well. You're telling the person in power how much time do you have. If you're the person in power, you never say to the to the other person. You know, if you're the interviewer, you never say to the interviewee how much time do you have today. So, in a, in a way, it's almost like like I think the advantage of saying that to the to the power player is you're in control. But I think maybe that's a bad piece of advice because why would you immediately um you know kind of uh, show a, a weaker position what do you think Bez? you you think i'm onto something here uh,
0: I, I would say uh you know you should know how much time you have walking in there and don't assume you have more and uh like they said you don't always get a second chance to do a second interview so um and it, it will be the interviewer that it will go sideways and out of control more than the candidate. So I I coach the candidate how to manage and control the interview. In fact, sometimes how to carry the interview in the event the yes. um in hiring manager is not good at interviewing, and that does happen.
1: Quite yes, a bit. yes, and 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 what I would add is the caveat here, and then we'll move on is that. If you, knew, if you know that you have to get through something, then you have to manage your own time. Like if, you, if you're if you in there presenting uh, a deck or a point of view um, or, or have been asked to meet a deliverable, well, then it's, then it's on you if you aren't able to get through. Um, and if your interviewer is derailing, you're the one who has to keep them on time. Um, so, all right. So the next one is ask if you answered their question. Uh, This makes people nervous. Don't let it. You might think something along these lines. I will just fully answer the question and I'm good. That's a great mentality. I'm glad you are so confident. Still ask. Often interviewers ask multiple questions at a time and it can become confusing. For instance, tell me about a time when you ran a significant continuous improvement project. What happened? Who was involved? What teams did you work with? What was the outcome? There's a lot there, and you may think you answered the question about who was involved by answering what teams you worked with, but you didn't. Who was involved asks about all stakeholders, while the teams you worked with asks about contributors. Contributors are stakeholders, but stakeholders are not necessarily contributors. A simple ask at the end allows you to lead the interviewer into follow-up questions, granting the illusion that you are in control of the pace of the interview. For example... I know there were a few asked in the initial question, was I able to fully answer your question? Clean to the point and gives you another opportunity to complete your answer before being asked the follow-up a second time. It shows that you know you are human and that you make mistakes, but that you return to ensure that you did not miss anything. Thoughts on that, Bez?
0: Uh, I don't disagree with that strategy. It's just not my strategy that I coach. I think... um you know, uh, I'm g- g- putting the onus on the interviewer, which is a, a lot, I know. But if you're interviewing, asking behavioral based questions, part of if you've been trained to do behavioral based interviews is that, um, you know, uh, you know, that is a loaded questions when you ask like three different things. And it is your job to sometimes dig it or go revisit the question, say, hey, what about this? And so I put that responsibility on the interviewer. I mean, that's why they're interviewing because to get information. So they've got to do work too, right? Um, I, I, um, it, I'm not saying it's a bad strategy. Uh, it, you may need to do that, but remember, if you know how to uh, employ the start methodology and you know how to tell the story, you're going to be okay. You know, you're going to be pretty good. I do have a method at the very uh, end of the interview before the end of the interview uh, of how to answer any questions that may have gone unanswered or even undiscussed and walk out of the interview feeling confident that you've, you've laid it all on the line, but well, let's I'll, keep going through the questions. Right. There are three
1: and, left. Yeah. And then I want to actually ask about that at the end. So let's see if we can get through this in 12 minutes. All right. Presentation, the section on presentation being professional is boring Before you argue, hear me out. Let's start with this. Interviews are boring for the interviewer. The first five to ten may be exciting because it's new, but after that, they blur together. Everyone is telling similar stories in similar ways with similar backgrounds. How are you supposed to stand out? Here's how. Be passionate and excited. Show your enthusiasm to have made it this far and tell them why you're excited about the role. Over the past few decades, the I am too cool for school way to present oneself has become the norm. Not just for interviews, but for friendships and dating as well. Many believe that aloofness has become synonymous with value. Don't make this mistake in your interview. I don't have an opinion on how you go about your dating life. Oh, that's in parentheses. Uh, people respond positively to genuine passion. Find ways to show your passion in your story. Lean in, smile, laugh. Even wave your arms or talk with your hands. I'm very expressive with my hands and it helps show I'm interested in how I think things through. Um, What you're trying to do is demonstrate your personality and emote how you normally do when you are truly interested in a topic. Coming off as too robotic is what they see all the time. Make the interviewer feel your energy. There are only two reasons why you aren't passionate about the story you're telling or the answer you're giving. One, you either selected the wrong story for this question or two, are interviewing for the wrong role entirely. That's a very interesting uh, rubric there. Uh, don't try and force being a gregarious extrovert if you are a lower-energy introvert. You just need to make sure you show interest in the job and are excited about it. Don't let the too-cool-for-school mentality keep you from something you're truly passionate about. Any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I I agree with this whole segment here. I think... um uh, don't be somebody you're not, but you can still uh, show energy, even if you're more of a low key person. Right. Um, and energy is super important. And I have actually uh, been told one time after an interview, oh, you didn't have bring the energy. Best out. And the guy knew me because, you know, and I was like you know what, there was a, there was a reason why, you know, I wasn't super excited about the job and it was uh, one of those that you've been, I've been there, done that. And so, you know, and there, there's a whole, you know, hiring managers want to hire people that are interested in their, in their job. Right. Not all, not always the most qualified, right. Because some of us who are more qualified and can do the job with one hand behind our back, on on one knee, we don't show that you know, um, hungry hunger for that position and and, and it comes through in the interview, right? So um, people with less experience but show hunger for the the job, many times beat the ones with more experience. And there is a strategy behind that, but that's uh, for another day. All right, Uh, But yeah, I love this section. I agree with you.
1: Now I'm going to manage you and your time. We have nine minutes left and we have to get through two plus one. All right, so sell yourself. This seems pretty straightforward, but I've heard this dozens of times. I work hard and have great stories that will show through enough. Well, maybe, but let's be realistic. Interviews on exercise and self-marketing As much as we want to believe that they are objective and fair, interviewers really only answer one question at the end of the interview. So what do you think? Uh, Too many people believe they're trying to sell their answers to the interviewer, trying to convince him that it is a good answer. False. Your answers are selling you. That is why we focus so hard on building stories and adding detailed enhancements. The efforts you put into your stories help sell you. Add some color to your stories. Tell your story, but include a personal philosophy along the way or a fun anecdote that led to the story. One of the most memorable lines I've ever heard was from a friend of mine. I was helping prep for a big interview. Let me tell you about a time that a kid's carnival ride gave me the idea that led to $4.3 million in logistic savings last year. Admit it, you're curious, aren't you? Teasers like that at the beginning of a story allow you to add in some personal flair and sell yourself to the interviewer. Thoughts on that, Bez?
0: Yes. A hundred percent agree. Prepare, uh, 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 take an account of, of your strengths, get your stories, uh, you know, think about the stories you're going to tell even before you get there and the different variations of that story and, 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 and make them short, concise and, in in interesting, right. And to the point, right. So, this is a a a very uh, this is one that a lot of people miss to prepare for right you know they prepare for everything else about the story they're going to tell and and you're right you're marketing yourself you're You're convincing them. Now, there's a flip side to this, you know, and that is maybe in the next question, in the next point you're going to come up with. But I think you're also interviewing the people that are interviewing you. It's a two-way street, and everybody at the table should know that. So, hey, land my plane there.
1: Yeah, perfect, perfect landing. Because the last one is don't ask big questions at the end. Ask specific ones. The number of questions I've received as an interviewer where the candidate was clearly trying to sound like a bigger thinker is atrocious. It doesn't help to do that. It's a myth that interviewers want to hear big, wide-scoped questions at the end of the interview all the time. Your story should show me that you are thinking big picture, but your questions at the end should be specific to me. Candidates like big questions because they can reuse them for multiple interviewers and they believe they sound smarter. Um, I'm more impressed by a question that shows the candidate did their homework about me or the company by asking something very specific. It tells me that they either adapted on the spot well or were so exhaustive in their preparation that they were ready. Um, Either is a big plus. Make sure to ask questions the interviewer is interested in and may have the answer to about their experience specifically or a recommendation about a problem they may be dealing with. You don't get bonus points for asking pie-in-the-sky strategy questions. Like, where do you see this company in five years? It just looks lazy and ill-prepared. So I guess all of this blends into, like, the final thing, which is when, you know, Bez, you say, you know, you are also interviewing the interviewer. You're also interviewing the company. The goal is to assess fit at the end of the day. So the all-important question, right, is this like as an interviewer, right? Is there something I should have asked or do you have any questions for me? Um, It's all coming down to this, right? Which is, what is the advice? Should you always have a question? Or, you know, if you say, nope, I don't have any questions for you. Is that kind of like the kiss of death? It seems like it is because it's the last impression they have of you that they said, do you have any questions for me? And you're like, nope, I'm good.
0: I am a big believer that interviews can be won and lost in the questions you ask, because it shows your preparation and it shows your cognitive intelligence, your your just so, so much about who you are and how you're going to show up. Right. It's like even the best leaders don't know everything as CEO of a company. Uh, you know is if you are around a really good leader they're really good at asking really good questions right so act like you're that leader you know ask really good questions and i do have a framework you know i have a framework of um you know starting at that 60,000 foot level getting down to 30,000 uh and down uh down at ground level so i go enterprise uh or, or actually industry enterprise uh function, department, hiring manager, right? So, and you come up with your questions as you do your research before the interview at the different levels. Now, you're not going to get be able to ask all the questions, but be prepared to ask what questions you think you need to ask based on the flow of the interview and who you're interviewing with. Right. So I, um, but I want to put, I want to
1: put you, uh, you, I want to push you to be a little bit more specific here, Bez. What's the advice for interviewees if you are going into an interview and the interviewer says, "Do you have any questions for me?" Do you? Yeah, you questions? should
0: ask questions. Yes, absolutely. Should you? Should be you have prepared. them prepared?
1: Should you? Should you have one or two? Yes. prepared uh, and then be able to shelve them if something else genuinely comes along. I would say yes. Right, you
0: should you you should have probably ten prepared. You're not going to get like I have a framework and and get one each one for different one uh, the different levels. But you know, like I said, you you should have ten plus questions prepared. You may only be able to ask one or two, right? But know which ones to pull out of your hat. Be extremely prepared for the questions to ask, and because uh, remember, you're you're there to to assess them too so um you know be thoughtful in the questions you ask so i'm a huge believer in uh, in um in this section and and let me know if we have enough time at the very end how to walk away with the interview knowing that you've laid it all on the line and you don't have that feeling uh, i forgot to say this
1: uh answer quickly we got two minutes left i've got a hard stop today so so go for it
0: Okay, so at the end of the interview, uh and, and because I, I also coach to ask for the job, right? And people get really like, ooh, that's a little too much. I go, No, I mean you you went there with a purpose, right? So uh do what I'm telling you to do because it so um what I tell people before the frame up to asking for the job is uh do you see any reason why I couldn't do this job? And so when You know, that's pretty ballsy. You know, you people like, oh, you know, you're asking for a self-assessment. Not many people do that. But uh, it gives the interviewer a a chance to say, no, you did great. Or, well, I had a question. I didn't we didn't talk about X. So the perfect one would be, no, you you, you, you nailed it. You did great and say, great. When can I start? Right. Because now you're asking for the job. On the flip side, if they said, well, I had a concern. We didn't talk about that. Say, oh, okay, could you tell me what that concern is? And you, and then you let them talk, um, and, and state their concern. Then you say, okay, hey, I, I, you know, thank you for sharing this with me, Mr. Mr. Employer. And then you go into answering their concern, right? And then tying it at back at the very end of, of your statement and say, hey, Mr. And Mrs., uh, interviewer, uh, with this new information, do you see any reason why I couldn't do this job? And you keep looping that until you answer all their questions, right? Now you've made everything on on the line. And now you get to uh, say, hey, great, when can I start now? Or what's the next step in the process? But what, whatever it is, it's, you know, um, asking for the job uh, by and the frame up to asking for the job uh, are winning strategies in the interview, uh, in my opinion.
1: And, and did you did you address that final point as I was kind of uh, scrambling to to finish on time about making sure that you don't leave anything and say, "Oh damn, I should have mentioned that
0: that that's how you do it by asking, do you see any reason why I couldn't do this job and then you're you're, you know, you're tying up loose ends in in those things. Uh Good employers will say, well, we, we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about that. Or you didn't mention this. You didn't mention that. And it's more conversational because you ask for the assessment, right? Um So now you're, you're it gives you time to also think of what else should I have missed uh, that I should have shared, you know? So basically, but, um, this is actually, yeah.
1: Yeah. So basically, so basically, and we're going to, we, we're we going to end it now. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on stage. Some fantastic gems, no doubt. Uh, if you, by the way, uh, shadows pub, um, i put the link if you want to join and please everyone spread the word uh, to uh, Shira Lazar at 3 PM today. I think uh, my parting blow here is at the end of the day. This is your shot. Shoot your shot, mate, Christopher. You missed a big one. This was perfect for you. You're going to have to go and listen to this. Um, um, this was so perfect for you. Um, but um, uh, but definitely listen to the podcast. The bottom line is this: is your time. This is your moment. Make it count. Don't leave anything on the table. Right? Uh, find the balance. Um, and I guess the point there, Bez, and then we'll we'll kind of call it is that look you don't want to be ultra too aggressive but at the same time what are you what are you going to regret more uh being a little bit too aggressive or not being aggressive enough you know and i and i think especially when you realize that you are one of a hundred i mean did you do enough did you honestly do enough to stand out and i think the answer is you know most of the time nope you just you just check the boxes uh, but when that person goes and goes, what do you think? Um, you know, you need to be, you need to be in the one spot. So Bez, legend. Thank you for everything uh, today. Uh, Jansa, Shadows Pub, Christopher. Um, hope you can join today uh, for the 3 p.m. Uh, Alpha Beta Talk number two. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.